Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020, in the distant past of the utopian far future. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. How's quarantine going for everybody? I'm at the <laughs> stage where I picked up the ukulele again, so that's where we're at. <gasps> me too! Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Hey, I taught myself Rainbow Connection. <laughs> okay. I can play four songs, and two of them are Baba ba, Black Sheep and ABCDEFG. Mm-hmm. But I am playing it for a two-year-old, so that helps. That does help, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I I actually kind of wish I had my ukulele with me, because it's, it's one of those instruments that's just so <laughs> easy to play. <laughs> when I pick up oh, my yeah. guitar, I just get mad at myself that I can't do the things that I used to. Are you just angry there's too many strings? Uh, no, no. There's. It's not just that. It's that a lot of the simple chords for ukulele that you need are, like, real simple. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and you don't need the calluses that you do for the guitar. Um, like, you have to build your calluses back up to be able to do a lot of the fingering in the, in the guitars. Now, mm-hmm. I could totally see why uh, Greg Universe started Steven off with, with the ukulele first. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, great for, for sure. kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my first guitar was like a nylon string guitar with a plastic back, you know, which is yeah. pretty much more like a ukulele than anything, you know. But ukuleles are even better because you can make a chord only using one finger. Or no fingers. <laughs> or no fingers. It's true, you can play it open. Well, speaking of fingering, let's lead into our fanfic for today. No. <laughs> uh, um, I don't think there was that much fingering in our fan. No, there wasn't. I, I just I just had to take that transition anyway. There you go. You didn't have to, but you did. You did. I mean, it was a good one because of all the fanfics with sex scenes we've read, this one read the most like porn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, that's I was why, not expecting that. That's why <laughs> Amato's the captain. You know, they make the hard choices that no one else is willing or able to make. The hard, <laughs> the hard choices. choices. I'd like to anyway. request to transfer to a different ship. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been exiled to the station and you cannot leave it. Uh, damn it. So yeah, the story is, <laughs> I wanted to do some Star Trek because we're doing a fanfic podcast and, you know, Star Trek fan fiction is a thing. And I kind of wanted to dip into Deep Space Nine because we haven't yet, right? And mm-hmm. so... Did my favorite thing. I found the awards, in this case, the ASC Awards, which were the annual fan fiction awards in the alt Star Trek creative news group, which ran from like 96 to 2008 or so. Mm. And, you know, they've got like categories and stuff. And when I was browsing through, I noticed that there was this story from 1996, right, which won the best Garrick Bashir, you know, award in that category. And the author also won a special award for, like, just being an awesome author that year. And I was like, (laughs) oh, they got, like, a double award. So I should probably pick that one. And so I did. Yeah. They're a pretty good writer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, then I read the first part of this fanfic. I was like, oh, yeah, great. It's Garrick and Bashir. That's awesome. And I didn't, you know, read into the multiple sex scenes, like, more than I was expecting. (laughs) Um, So it was just one of those pleasant surprises, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on your tastes. 
I was pleasantly surprised by the fact that Bashir was still pretty well characterized, but not totally hateable like normal. I was surprised <laughs> I made it through this without hating Bashir too much. Well, I, if we're, we should talk about our background a little bit. I remembered, like, no Deep Space Nine, but that's fine, because, like, I, I kind of know the general idea, and I had the time this week to go back and at least watch the most recommended Garrick Bashir episode, which was The Wire, uh, season two, episode 22, and I watched it, and I was like, hey, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that's my whole Deep Space Nine experience. Anyone else? Uh, that's more or less. <laughs> you go first, Dom, is that right? I watched them hodgepodge when they were on the air, uh, whenever something else wasn't on. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, today I went back and watched f- four random DS9 episodes, including like the one b- directly before the timeline of this episode, uh, The Wire, and like two other uh, Garrick episodes. Like one when they're in the hologram, and, and get this, when they're on the holodeck, something went wrong. <laughs> oh. No way. Right? It could be just no one should use the holodeck ever. (laughs) You can use it off screen, fine. (laughs) Well, I think that's the whole point. It's not fun to watch something wrong. Don't go on the holodeck if you are a named officer. Only go on if you have no name. (laughs) Sometimes you do it for the cold open, and that's fine. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got to say about Garrick Bashir, like, watching The Wire, I was like, oh yeah, these two have chemistry. Like, it can be romantic chemistry, sure. Mm. Um, but I, I wasn't quite expecting... I mean, I, I see why there's a Garrick Bashir category in the Deep Space Nine <laughs> awards of this thing. Yeah. The other yeah. ship category, by the way, is Odo Kira that got, like, special, you know, oh, an yeah. award for well, that specifically. he's in love with her in the show, and I think they even date at some point? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I, too, watched interspersed episodes as a kid when I was just on TV, but a couple years ago, my old roommate was really, like, that was her favorite Star Trek, was DS9, so we watched a ton of it. Um, Actually, both my roommates at the time. Um, So, I don't think I've seen all of it, but I think I know enough about the characters, for sure, to, like, dig into this. But y'all are going to have to remind me about The Wire because I haven't watched that one recently. I mean, it's not directly relevant to this story. It's just that, I mean, I think they actually do mention it. There's some but, references to yeah. some events that happened that I wasn't quite sure about, but we'll get into that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, there was something else I was going to say there, and I forgot it. Garrick, Bashir, they... They can be a couple. It's cool. And they have my permission. And I guess we talk about the story? (laughs) I I don't know. Do we talk about fan fiction? I mean, sometimes. (laughs) Okay. So, Wavering Alliance. It's a story by BGM, background music, I suppose. (laughs) Maybe not. Uh, Published in 1996 on, what did I just say? Alt, Star Trek creative archive um alt star trek creative that news group um you can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfr alliance better than wavering and it's it's like twenty thousand words it's not too long um if 
you like Garrick and Bashir or want to read about all the sex that we're going to be talking about shortly, then we will talk about it in a little bit. Also, even and if you hate Bashir like me, this fanfic made him very unobtrusive. So, Okay, yeah, only seeing The Wire, I'm not quite sure why he's so hateable. There's, like, okay, uh, let me put it this way. He's not, like, the worst person on Earth, or space, the worst person in or space. space station. Um, yeah, but he, there's so many moments when he just does really, like, misogynistic things or appalling things. It just seems really cocky that you just want to punch him in the face. But this <laughs> fanfic did a good job of making me a little more sympathetic to him, but also not featuring him so much that I had to worry about. It's not also like every other Star Trek character, though. Like, sure, they have nice moments, but they also have, like, take Janeway or something. Like, sure, they have nice moments, yeah. but they also have, like, genocidal moments also. Every this is Star true. Trek character kind of sucks. I hear what you're saying, and this is why, like, I try to tone back, you know, my feelings about Bashir in particular. It's just, it's, he has moments on the screen where it's almost like the audience is supposed to like him, but you have the opposite reaction, if that makes sense. Hmm. Like, um, because he's a genetically enhanced human, so he, like, does everything better than everyone else. And I think that could have been played up to a really good level of pathos, but instead, it just makes him seem like um, he's trying to hide it, first of all. But he doesn't come across as, like, he comes across as very cocky, basically. Hmm. Like, it seems like every moment where he's like, I'm ashamed of being genetically enhanced, it's really like, I'm better than everybody else. I see. I did not actually know he was genetically enhanced until just now, so... And did him. Oh, there you go. Sorry for the spoilers. <laughs> it's revealed yeah, in, like, I mean, the first season. Spoiling Deep Space Nine, so. yeah. All right. So, the fanfic starts. There's a prologue. It says two days ago. And it's Bashir and Ger- Garrick having lunch and talking about their, like, two-person book club, which where they're, like, they force literature on each other that they <laughs> think is good and make the other person read it. And the other person is like, yeah, it was okay. At least that's what I get from reading this fanfic and having watched that one episode. It's like, that's the dynamic. I watched, like, two more episodes, and that was the exact same thing that happened every episode, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and Garrick doesn't have a lot of friends because he's, like, an exiled Cardassian former assassin. He's done a lot of bad things, so... I don't think the assassin part's public knowledge, but just the fact that, like, n- you know, the Cardassians are the, like, bad guys from the perspective of the Deep Space Nine inhabitants at this point, so... Yeah, it's just the Cardassian part that is enough for the general populace to not like them. Yeah, but, like, and all of the main characters know about his background, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. I don't quote. Yeah, that seems right. Anyway, the thing they're discussing, it's... Anthony and Cleopatra, and, um, you know, Bashir made Garrick read it. And they've got this literature conversation about it, which I kind of want to ask what jumped out at it from for you, Tori, because you're the English major. Oh, man. So there, there's kind of like a, a running Anthony and Cleopatra quote thread that goes through this. Um, but then there's actually the, there's a, Right before everything starts, there's the sacrifice of Delvinar, which is a like a, a poem, um, a Cardassian poem, I guess, which is, mm-hmm. looks pretty well written. I think the author might have written that one, because I don't remember hearing like Cardassian poetry recited. 
I expect they did because it seems like otherwise they would have said that they didn't. Yeah. Like they acknowledge even just like they lifted a minor character from another fanfic author and, you know, that kind of thing. Like they seem to have been on top of that. So, yeah, to start with, you know, that's they, they do a great, you know, kind of epic poem about Cardassians and, you know, it kind of reveals their culture. And it's also like, you know, war poem about children being killed and. Anyway, it's it's a well written poem, so you kind of get the background the background from the author there, um, and their conversation. I'm trying to go back and look at it. It's like, oh yeah, it's well, like it's mostly about Cleopatra's motivations, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and I really agreed with Garrick on this point. <laughs> <laughs> he takes it and he looks at it, and this was another moment where I was like, of course Bashir would think that because Bashir basically thinks like Cleopatra's a whore. Is basically he literally says that. He says some misogynistic things, like he would. And Mm -hmm. Garrick's like, she's just playing her advantage. Um, She's doing this as a political maneuver, which I feel like is the way you're... like. Well, he said Shakespeare wrote her as a whore or something like that. Um, And the comparison is that he says he thinks... Bashir says he thinks Garrick is like Mark Anthony, and Garrick says he thinks he's more like Cleopatra. So obviously Mm -hmm. there's subtext there, too. about Like Mark Anthony in that he was a military leader who, you know, fell into political disfavor and that kind of thing. Right, like, it's very superficial. But he says, like, no, I'm like Cleopatra because I play my advantages and I'm strategic. And Julian's just like, yeah, she wasn't being strategic. She was just being a slut is basically what he said. <laughs> and I was like, that is such a shallow read. Like, I get where he's coming from. He's like, Shakespeare was writing her as a shallow character, but I really don't think that he was, and I don't think historically Cleopatra's been portrayed as shallow. I think she's always been portrayed as using her sexuality as a political advantage, because as a woman of the time. So they they have kind of what I consider to be like a basic conversation about that character. <laughs> like, it's kind of like the first time you read Anthony and Cleopatra, the conversation you'd have about that character. And it makes sense, because that's kind of Speaking of, uh, I lost my transition there. We, we also get a lot of stuff from Garrick's perspective mentally from here. Like we're starting off like a lot in Garrick's head mm-hmm. and he like, we kind of, we get it straight off pretty quickly that like he has feelings of some kind of the very least strong friend feelings towards Bashir and he feels bad over what he sees as manipulating the doctor's gentle nature and twisting it to his own advantage I was a little bit unclear on what advantage he's getting here besides just, like, having a friend. Um, yeah. But that might be just kind of, like, how Garrick thinks about it. Is like, because I'm not being forthcoming entirely with myself, I am just, like, playing a role in order to, like, have access to this person. And, like, you know, that's something he wishes he didn't have to do, I guess. Yeah, Garrick is uh, soon sooning all over the place. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know about playing his advantage, but I think he definitely feels bad because there's information, as we learn, you know, later on, but also in the series, the case that he withholds from Bashir, even though he, like, you know, really wants to be open with him. Right. He's always kind of politically, Garrick's always politically motivated and personally motivated before he, like, even though he loves Bashir as a friend and more, as we learn he's still very closed off politically. Mm-hmm. Anything else we want to talk about from that prologue? Mm. 
100%. You mentioned the general quality of the writing, and we can probably mention that here. Um, it's... I think they do a pretty good job at writing the voices. Like, having, you know, just seen an episode, I could, I could imagine, you know, the actors delivering these lines well enough. And they're able to have a, you know, decently long conversation with kind of, like, without it feeling stagnant. Yeah. In writing. Yeah, I'll second that. That was actually something I was thinking during my brief pause. I was like, there's something about how Garrick's written that just, like, feels so Garrick. Yeah, especially, like, his dialogue. <laughs> Even though we're in his head most of the time, it's his dialogue that really stands out as his kind of character shining through. <laughs> All right. So then the plot kicks in. And the deal is... There is assassinations taking place on the station of, you know, just random people. It's like, there's no red shirts in the series, but if there were, then these people dying would be red shirts. Civilian red shirts. They, they were probably wearing red shirts, is what I'm saying. Yeah, on DS9, they don't have a contained crew. They have people coming in and out all the time, so any random person could come on and die. Um, anyway, some people are dying. It's like a series of assassinations using, like, what appears to be some kind of poison or, like, delivered virus. Um, I mean, I guess they know it's a virus, but, like, you know, one being administered to people that is not curable or haltable by anything they understand. Yeah, at first I think that there's, like, a, a, they think it's just a contagion that's being spread, but Bashir's pretty quickly, like, this is targeted. Mm-hmm. And he ends up talking to Garrick about it, because Garrick's his friend and stuff. And also, he, he's just, like, super, you know, distressed and depressed over, like, oh, I lost another patient, lost another patient, like, you know, like, eight of them or something. And so he just needs to, like, get out of the infirmary. Yeah. And, and like, this isn't all happening at the same day. This is, like, over the course of, you know, some period of time, but, like, but still is- far higher mortality than he's used to. It made you feel, like, really sympathetic towards him because he's really affected by this. And I was like, I believe that for the character. And it makes me hate him. <laughs> like, it's something that it does, it's not out of character, but you don't really get in the show that makes you, like, want to like the character. It also made me think that just... It's not like this is material is ever addressed directly in Star Trek, but, like, with their super science, you know, medicine which is very, very good at lots of things, there's probably a lot less that he can do nothing about outside of, like, very specific, you know, super plotty, dramatic things that might happen in an episode, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of, but that kind of amounts to the same thing, though, doesn't it? I mean, you mean because there's plenty of, like, dramatic, plotty things that happen in episodes? Because basically you just write, the Doctor can't do, can't fix this, and that that's the same thing as not being able to do it or not have the technology for it oh narratively it's the same i just meant like on a personal level feeling powerless must happen less often to a star trek doctor well it happens once every few episodes (laughs) yeah um it does but that's the funny thing is that it's an all or nothing usually in star trek it's like we can cure everything that's wrong (laughs) with your body with one painless injection or you're gonna die in four hours, <laughs> and no one knows what this is. 
Yeah, you're gonna super alien die. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's like super death. Like you, you don't have cancer in Star Trek, but you've got like, oh my god, the worst pathogen we've ever seen, but we don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe it's because of some sort of space godling, omnipotent, like you know, bodiless entity just floating out in space. Seems to be thick mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in Deep Space Nine. No, I don't think it's the right series for that. But yeah. <laughs> So anyway, you know, he's, Bashir is venting and just being like, ah, blah, blah. he says, this damn virus, he muttered. Who would do something like this? Garrick frowned. Should I? He deserves it. For great ghoul's sake, move on, Aleem. No one will come hunt you down for having divulged one measly piece of information. You're not in the order anymore. After a pondering silence, he took a carefully measured breath and said, the true way. Now, I'm a little bit surprised. I, mean, I guess it was established that, like, Garrick was feeling bad about withholding information from Bashir in general. And so that's what's leading into like this talking about stuff. But I was also coming out of like the wire, the episode where Bashir has to drag information out of Garrick, you know, that is directly relevant to saving his own life. So it felt like, Oh man, that that was easy. Yeah. It was almost like they were playing on the character, you know, his reservation. But then, like, there really didn't seem to be a reason for his reservation. I'm not sure if there's a reason in the series why he's so withholding of information, to be honest. That, that's I just think their, it's supposed to be. Uh, that, that's just their character going from uh, the few other episodes I've seen. Like, there are some other instances that directly involved Garrick, and instead of, like, going directly to Odo, he stages a bombing of his own shop so that Odo would get involved. Right. So in this fanfic... Right, I mean, he's a former spy, he's a very private person, he's got probably trust issues, like, that's supposed to be a character thing. And, which is just why I was a little bit surprised about, like, uh, he he delivers some information, then he expands on it, which we'll get into in a moment. Totally. Yeah, but I think for, you know, the way the author builds it, like, he says it, and then he regrets it, and, like, they've already (laughs) been building towards the fact that he's kind of in love with Bashir, so... Yeah. And... He hates to see him in this much pain. I think it's... Maybe we've never really seen Bashir show this much pain to Garrick. So, like, that might mm. be the motivation there for him to break Yeah, Garrick. and... I, that's probably a good point. And Garrick continues to feel weird about it. There's that line, The alien act of simply giving knowledge without receiving some in return was disconcerting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it goes on with other comments like that. Anyway, it's the true way. It's an organization. It's basically at least theoretically separate from the Cardassian government, but it's people doing terrorist actions against Federation of, of the Federation in formerly Cardassian space. And they popped up in a couple of other episodes randomly, too, as, like, a name. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was yeah. watching the... I had assumed... I was watching the Holodeck episode, and the True Way blew up a shuttlecraft. Mm-hmm. And, and they're... Anyway. Yeah, Cardassian terrorists, right? It was... Well, yeah, he specifies that they're not all, you know, racially Cardassian, but yeah, they're like pro-Cardassia, right? And, you know, he even knows it directly because he's been in contact with friends from Cardassia and like there's messages about from the true way, like bragging about they're going to be causing the collapse of the Federation presence in this sector and that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, that gives... That gives Bashir something to work with. 
It's a bit hard to talk about this storyline because it kind of fizzles out and goes nowhere. It fizzled out immediately. Basically, the deal is, remember when Garrick was like, ah, no one's going to come after me for just like delivering this information that he was probably going to get sooner, like anyway, right? Someone comes after him for that almost immediately. I'm not sure it was for that. I think it was for the other convoluted plot that talked about. Oh, I guess so. Shortly afterwards, like a couple hours afterwards, he's basically like assaulted in his ta- what do you call a tailor shop? Yes. Tailor shop. Mm-hmm. Haberdashery? That's no. for hats. <laughs> uh, boutique is the word they use. Oh, really? Bussetorial I mean, salon? <laughs> they use it once. Well, yeah. He's he's assaulted, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because that it's not super like interesting like or clear, I wanna say, like what's going on at this point because it's very like Star Trek. Like there's an allusion to something and then there's an attack. And shadowy figures come up and they try to uh <laughs> they try to hypo spray him. I, there's some deception there. And he quickly realizes deception and ends up getting hit over the head. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's just left there. Bashir shows up, you know, and they get to exchange a few words before, you know, he loses consciousness. They have to take him to the infirmary. And then rather, un- I, and, you know, but Bashir shares information he knows with like Odo and that kind of thing. But then what ends up happening is that Bashir, I mean, Garrick dies in the infirmary yeah this is really tense like he's like it is bleeding out from a head wound Bashir's desperately calling for medical help he snaps at the medical officers who show up or the medics who show up because he's like why didn't you get here sooner and he's convinced that he he'll be saved because usually yeah like people get hit over the head and they're fine on the starship like get them right away you know but he's not absolutely dies. It's extremely clear about that, you know. And I was, at this point in the story, we're like less than halfway through, I was like, whoa, this is going a direction I was not expecting in like <laughs> totally. best, you know, Bashir, Garrick, you know, romance story. And like, I was actually really interested in seeing where it went. It did not go where I was expecting. I thought this was great because you really get like Bashir having to deal with his grief and like kind of going off the rails and like, then it becoming clear that Garrick was in love with him. Like, I mean, we can go through that. There's a large part of the story that's just Bashir, like, being like, man, I'm so messed up that Garrick died. And there's also fun parts where, like, they get to talk to Duke, Duke, Ducat? Ducat. 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 And, you know, there get to be tensions there where, you know, for one thing, he's like, oh, great, that traitor got what he deserved. And everyone gets to get extremely angry at him. Yeah. And, you know, he also, you know, requests that the body be returned to Cardassia so that it can be buried basically in the Garrick family tomb and that kind of thing. He also um, hits on people way more than I remember Ducat ever hitting on humans in other non-Cardassia. Like, he never hits on anyone the show as far as I remember. Uh, I, just watched the, I just watched the episode that took place before this, and there was a lot of him hitting on the the Bajoran woman. I, I don't, I can't remember oh, their name. Oh, here. Well, yeah, he does right. that in his fanfic, too. You're right. I forgot he about kind of, that. <laughs> he visits the space station personally when, like, the Cardassians come to pick up the corpse. And, you know, he spends part of that time hitting on Kira. And Bashir. Like, Look, and Bashir. Yeah. 
That was the the main thing but, is that he felt like he was just like very sexual in the whole thing. He was like, "I hate you, but I'm gonna fuck you." But everyone's like, "No, we don't want to fuck you because we also hate you." And he's like, <laughs> "No, but you gotta understand, hate fucking is cool." Like that's basically <laughs> what Dupont's character is like. Like he doesn't come out and say things like that, but you can tell he's on this like hate fuck power trip. I also there's this conversation with Kira where he's like. You know, like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, my sympathy is more or less. Here, have this nice bottle of wine. Can we share it? It's, it's not wine, but whatever. Yeah, it's like, uh, and she's like Bajoran spring wine or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sure. And she's like, no, I'm not going to share it with you because you're an asshole and we hate you. And he's like, well, that's rude. And she's like, you know what? That was rude. I'll share the wine with you. And I was like, what? No, well, uh, no. Again, in, I mean, again, in that says... episode right before this one, they did do exactly that. They did share a bottle of Bajoran spring wine. Okay. So yeah. this, this takes place right after that. So they would have just have done that last episode. Mm-hmm. And also, what she said is like, "I'm not ready to forgive you, but like, I'm right. gonna be cordial, basically." But it's weird <laughs> because like, I don't understand why anyone's ever cordial to Ducat because he's nothing but manipulative. He's... I mean, my understanding is he can be charming, but I think at this point in the series, everyone understands he's also just terrible. Yeah, they do, and. The author makes it clear that they do because the author knows where this takes place in the continuity. I don't know. <laughs> it's well, weird. We should mention one of the early author's notes is the story is set after Return to Grace, although I've slightly changed the outcome. Ducat isn't off running on his own, killing Klingons. He's resigned his position as military advisor in Cardassia. Um, and so that's a change to the episode that happens what happens in Return to Grace, which is like him and what's her name? Kira has a moment. Mm-hmm. They they share some sympathies. They talk about how Kira how um, Kira had convinced Dukat to return their half Bajoran kid to uh, uh, Cardassia, and that it was a huge political fallout. But he's been glad to have his child back in his life, and they have a big father parent relationship. And then after the stuff that happens in the show, they see the Klingons as a present threat to to the Cardassia, Cardassian government doesn't want to do anything about it, so he goes on a self-sacrificing terrorist cell thing to sabotage the uh, Klingons, and they kind of just disregard all that growth in the episode for this version of Dukat they have in this uh, mm-hmm. fanfic. That's a good point. Interesting. I wish I kind of remembered or like rewatched that because he, you're right, and I forgot he does have some like redemption arc basically. Well, well, yeah, because the Ducat at the end of that episode is a Ducat that's uh, been humbled from their position, uh, spends time with, with, with their family, and is now doing things more for the good of the people than their own promotion. Yeah. But they, that's very interesting. Yeah, they yeah. wanted him to be kind of a villain in this episode, but also make him sort of sympathetic at the same time. It's, it's weird, and we'll get there. I considered watching the episode before this just like you did, Dom, because they specify what it is. Mm-hmm. But when I glanced at the first part of the story, I was like, Dukat doesn't seem very important in this. I'd rather go watch like a good, <laughs> you know, Bashir Garrick episode. Yeah. It was all Dukat. <laughs> it, uh... it turns out I was wrong, but we'll get there. <laughs> so the true way plot thread is kind of wrapped up where it's just like, the next day, thanks to one of Julian's nurses, the toxin had been localized and a cure had been quickly concocted. So that's... That's done. Yeah, that's done. Um, that's over now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's over. You thought that was going to be important? It kind of wasn't. Just to get things moving. 
But Tori, you were talking Star about Trek type stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Tori, you were talking about how we get to spend a lot of time in Julian's grief-stricken head. Yeah. And you know, various people talk to him and that sort of thing. But the next major plot thing is that he goes and checks out Garrick's room. Right. Um, there's some stuff that Garrick left for him. Yeah, and it's hidden. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bashar opens up a hidden drawer in a desk and finds like a information crystal, a book, and an old Obsidian Order badge thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a, a memory stick thing for the. That, that's the crystal. Yeah. Oh right, right, right. The uh, an isol- yeah, and- crystal. I think is their jargon for it. Yes. It's not. Like, he has any great reason. He's just like, he searches, he looks around the room and he says nothing upon, you know, the desk was obvious enough to catch his attention. Yet Garrick, being who he had been, Julian was wise enough not to take appearances at face value. So he just kind of has a hunch that, like, there's probably some stuff hidden in here, and there totally is. Well, in that one episode with, um, I forgot what happens. must not be The Wire then, like, uh, Garrick is going to... Going to go off to uh, going to going to go with Odo in order to track down the person that tried to blow up his shop, and he tells like Bashar. Um, Bashar is like, "Is there anything I, I can do for you?" And he's like, "Yes, there's a go into my quarters on the left hand side of my desk. Open that drawer, and there you'll fi- you'll find an isolated your chip." He's like, "Yes, I want you to eat it." He's <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> he's like you're fucking with me. He's like, yes, I am. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this was a callback to that, where the yeah. where okay. uh, Garrick told him that there was a chip there, but pretended it was a lie. I think I don't. I can't remember what episode it was. Whether whether it was this episode or different ones, where it's like everything I tell you is the truth. And Bishop's like Bashar's like even the lies. And he's like especially the lies. Yeah, yeah that was the wire. Yeah. And so, sure, telling Bashir something that's mostly but not entirely true, but then pretending that it's totally not true sounds very Garrick. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I also like this because I think one of the more famous Bashir episodes is the one where he's running his 007 Suite program. That was the other one um, I watched, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one I, you know, one of the ones where I'm just like, Bashir, Because he makes, like, a version <laughs> of... Um, who is it that he's in love with? He makes a version of her that loves him. Also, I was like, that's kind of gross. But well, are you um, talking about the one or, where no, the it's all the women? I think no, it's a lot of women, right? N- no, he's running a program, and while that's happening, the the transporter accident happens, and his crewmates gets transported to, into the program. Oh, okay, yeah. You're thinking of uh, Lavar Burton, I think, in Next Gen. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, something like that happened. No, right? something yeah. like that happened with Russ, where he had a girl. He was man, I'm getting those two confused. But the, the, I do remember <laughs> from the the 007 episode that he was like making himself the coolest possible guy in the program, and it was just like yeah, he was playing very Star uh, Trek, but you know, yeah, he was playing James Bond uh, to the um, sexist masculine hilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I was getting like confused with the episode where Russ is in love with, in Next Gen, where Russ is in love with um, right, Tasha yeah. or something. No, uh, 
one of the women and makes a program of her where she's in love with him. It's really yeah. distressing. Um, Bashir's is not that distressing, but he is toxic. It was still anyway, pretty dis- point distressing before that happened because, like, every woman character in there was like mini skirt, push up, push up bra, open shirt. Yeah, it, that's what I was thinking of. I think, yeah, that, <laughs> that's correct, right? That 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 was the case. That was before all the uh, interference happened. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway, point being is that we've got this kind of cultural history of Bashir in the Hollow Suite. And so now he's going to the Hollow Suite to play Garrick's isolineal crystal, crystal, digital crystal machine. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. It's a magic grimoire. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, right. It calls up Garrick's ghost, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, it's a it's a powerful scene because it is, you know, an imprint of Garrick's personality and, like, some information that he wanted to have it. It immediately reassures him, don't worry, I'm just a simple projection, although I've worked hard to make it as interactive as possible. And so you've got that, you know, Star Trek or sci-fi thing where it's like, this is not Garrick, but in a way it's also not not Garrick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Go on. No, I was just going to say, and Garrick seems to have kind of taken the attitude of, like, if I'm dead, which is the circumstances in which Bashir should have this, then, like, whatever, I'll just tell him whatever. Yeah, it's, which, a, you know, it's a last will and testament sort of thing. Yeah. Um, or, in this case, a kind of last love confession sort of thing, which is a lot of a lot of what it's there to talk about in a Garrick way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And... I'm glad it reassures him that, like, yes, all of these things were there for you to find. So I feel less bad about him just, like, going and ransacking Garrick's room and taking whatever looked interesting and trying it out. Right. Yeah, to be fair, at this point, we've built up Julian's grief very significantly to the point where he's um, hallucinated. He He's fallen asleep over Garrick's dead body after running the tricorder over him, like, countless times, just to say, like, are you really dead? He doesn't believe it. He's in the denial phase. He passes out, and then he has, you know, a, a dream of him, you know, setting up back to life and talking for a minute and then decaying back down as a body, like a very archetypal, like, intense grief dream from media. So we've already built up, you know, he, he can't concentrate on his job, etc., so we can see mm-hmm. this, like, going into his chambers. It's, like, it's kind of, like, last consolation. And then getting this this whole message towards him where Garrick finally says, yeah, you probably know. What he says is funny. He's like, so I assume at this point, you know, we've had a pretty long relationship. Bashir's, like, uh, three years, and he's like, oh, that's <laughs> disappointing. And he's like, but I probably told you that. Bashir's like, what? And he's like, oh. That's also disappointing. <laughs> and then he says, yeah, you know, it's funny when you have to record a, a thing like that for some future date when you don't know when it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, because it's a, a, a hologram that has, like, some sort of form of AI can respond to Bashir and be like, well, I should have told you that I was in love with you. I'm sorry I did. And then yeah. the hologram goes away and Bashir is restruck his grief over. Yeah, then you have a poignant funeral where, like, even though no one else was a friend of Garrick, you know, all of the other kind of main peoples show up to the funeral in support of Julian and kind of out of respect for Garrick, even if they didn't actually like him. Yeah. 
Uh, I think it's, yeah, mostly for Bashir, because actually his body's being sent to Cardassia to be buried. Well, rich yeah, uh, uh, Ducat, Ducat showed up before Ducat. saying that, like, the, the family and the government has requested the body back, so don't do any autopsies, we'll take the body from here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they do. And then all this character work with the grief is kind of immediately undone, because Garrick's not dead. Yeah. He's not dead. Yep. It, it said explicitly that he was dead. Yes, it did. You know, I was really hoping for an explanation for this, um, but they don't. But you can just... The main thing is that we... The first thing we get is that Dupat has Garrick in an interrogation room on Cardassia. They, they, yeah. they did end up explaining and, it, though, just not very well. No, I mean, basically, explain. it's just like... You know, it was a fake. It was super advanced, you know, like, you know, technology thing, some induced, like, temporary death-like state, right? Yeah. Uh, that, like, fooled the, the Federation, you know, sensor stuff. Yeah, Garrick talked about how Ducat purchased a very special poison just for this. Yeah, it was very mm-hmm. brief, and it didn't explain, like, how, or, like, how long he could remain, quote-unquote, dead, or, like, how his systems could be suspended in a way that read on a tricorder. Yeah, they, they didn't ex- explain it. You know, they didn't, they didn't explain no, nope. they didn't explain how it worked, but they did explain why it happened. Right, and that started. And you, so, yeah, right, right, right. It's like, look, here's a few bullshit words about why it works. Let's move on. And also, they had um, been used the the what's the terrorist group? The one way or something? First way. True way. True the, way. The, <laughs> First you know, order. One of them. <laughs> First National Bank of something. <laughs> yeah, they've been using the activities of the True Way to hide their real intent, which was to. Poison and kidnapped Garrick to take him back to Cardassia. And Dom, explain to me why this is so important to them. They don't. The, the- okay, yeah, I, I was like, am I missing something? Like, they've been perfectly content with him just being over there being exiled for, like, a long time. Like, it seems to have been fine. Yeah, No one seems to have cared that much. Yeah, Garrick's backstory I mean, I in the show is that he's a member of the Obsidian Order, which is, like, super intelligent, powerful nazi spy group or something right and so they're sort of like extra military extra governmental and so like even retired they could theoretically still be feared and hated so i guess that's what they were talking about i, mean, I get that yeah. i, some, I didn't well, just didn't really get why now yeah. like why and i don't know if i overlooked something or not or whatever i don't think they I, said i'm not sure okay. in terms of how it shakes out but we have a pretty clear Initial motivation, which is Ducat claiming, like, a personal vendetta, essentially. Right, he does. He takes responsibility for this, which turns out later is a lie. Right, and that's the <laughs> part that isn't as clear to me. But for a long time, it's clear that Ducat used to be, like, Garrick's slave, and that Garrick used to sexually assault him. So, is, is any of this show canon? Uh, uh, I don't know. This part, I don't think Ducat was ever, like, a servant or a slave. I'm not sure exactly what they say. I think they say vassal, but it's like he's like a slave. Or used to be a mm-hmm. slave. Or, or some sort of... I don't know exactly. I don't remember that being from the show, but I don't remember everything about the show. So. Okay. I, I'm going to Google what you talk. We probably look this up on... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in this, it's like he used to be Garrick's servant, and Garrick used to take advantage of him sexually and humiliate him sexually. And that was the point where I was like, wow, um... 
and we're supposed to still like Garrick. Like, obviously, we know he used to be an assassin. He's done a lot of fucked up things. But like, that was the one where I was like, that crosses a big fucking line. Well, there's that, and just the fact that up until now, we're halfway through the fanfic. The arc has been very Garrick and Bashir right. focused, right. and like I was following the arc, and like the arc, you know, and then it's this total kind of swerve mm-hmm. because we get some Garrick and Ducat. Ducat. Yes. <laughs> content here. Yeah. Um, and right, it's like basically, you know, Ducat tortures himself. It's all very unpleasant. And then Garrick, kind of keeping with the Cleopatra thread, I guess, sort of parlays the only piece of power that he ha- feels like he has now, which is sexual favors. Into like, look, you could torture me, or we could hate fuck. Yeah, and I mean, am I summarizing this correctly? Yeah. And Ducat is like, yeah, that that second one sounds good, and so they do that. Yeah, and Ducat's like trying to reclaim the sexual power by like humiliating Garrick sexually. It's it's nothing weird. Like it's pretty, except for you know that component of hatred. They don't do anything that isn't pretty much just sucking each other off and, like, having intercourse, basically. Um, oh, no, yeah, I mean, the, it, it's more just, like, I was so surprised, like, I was not expecting a Garrick Ducat sex scene like this at no, this point in the I story. <laughs> and the weird thing is, like, this is why I was kind of I saw like, the NC-17 is... at the start of the fanfic, and I was pretty sure that would be Bashir, Garrick and Bashir, right? right? But this was... You know, this was the like the first sex scene, and like I said, this is this is the main reason it felt like porn. Is not only was the sex scene written a lot like porn, it had that element of like um, it, that weird setup of they don't like each other, and there's some like kind of BDSM component of torture, etc. But they end up fucking, and they end up both enjoying it. It's a very fantastical way to sex and you kind of have to suspend all your beliefs about like what a healthy sexual relationship is in order to actually appreciate the sex scene I guess if that makes sense yeah and the other way in which it's kind of porny is just that it's not really relevant to the main arc of the story right yeah I mean like it's one way that they could have moved the situation forward and they did but it's not like it's the uh, the main relationship or the main story thing here or whatever no it doesn't even Um, seem like this is like what the author was aiming for in the beginning it was more like here's another sex scene throw in the mix (laughs) it could have just been torture you know the the emotions could have been done without sex you know what i mean for a brief canonical interlude um looking at memoryalpha.fandom.com wiki um Garrick was instrumental in the arrest and execution of Ducat's father. Yeah, and he does mention that. And I will never forgive you for what you did to my father. We both know after that. After his exile, Garak took up residence aboard a ship under the command of Ducat. Bitter over Garak's mm. involvement in his father's death, Ducat attempted to have Garak executed. Garak again escaped death's grip, surviving to see the Cardassian's government's withdrawal from the station. He set up a tailor shop. So the, okay. the servant-slave relationship is apparently non-canonical. It may have been okay. the author's way to make Dupont, like, slightly more sympathetic and to understand his motivations here. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. that I find him sympathetic after he tries to t- 
turning the tables on Assault. It just honestly makes Garrick less sympathetic. So. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't Garrick. sure that well, that achieve its goal there. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, at this point in the story, I really did not know where it was headed. And so I thought it was really interesting at the end where Dukat was like, oh, yeah, I lied that I was behind this. Actually, like, you know, you've been hauled back to stand before the high court. And like, I was just sent to fetch you. And I just took credit. And, then, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then the high court and sentences uh, Garrick to exile back on DS9. Well, r- right. I mean, the thing is, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And Dukat's like, I actually don't have the power to like decide your fate. But then it kind of immediately turns back around where he's like, oh, actually, the, the chief presiding over the court this afternoon owes me a favor, so I actually can do that, so that you can go back to exile and suffer longer. So basically, and they, I was like, oh, they I was- had this big sting operation to, uh, like, knock him out, but make it look like he's dead, kidnap him, put him on trial, then put him exactly back where he started from. Yeah, and it seems like you, like... I I would never send him back if I was Cardassia. Yeah. Even if I didn't care what happened to him, just because I don't want the Federation to know that they can do that. Right. <laughs> well, and yeah. it's also kind of silly. It's like, I think the intention was that because Garrick and Ducat kind of resolved some of their tension, you know, through their, their sex scene, that they were actually like, they had a feelings for each other in a bizarre way. That it was implied that like Ducat was you know, able to pull strings and make the consequence that was supposed to happen not happen. But yeah, and that is the thing. But, but, but from a story perspective, like, yeah, what, what no, does it accomplish? From a story perspective, it, it's like why? It's just like you dragged. Yeah, it it feels very engineered. And honestly, I was kind of hoping for some Cardassian court shenanigans at that point in the story. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for it to be a law drama for a little bit because I just like didn't know where it was going. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> You're just looking for something. <laughs> I wanted a Phoenix Wright story at this point. <laughs> at this point, I knew exactly no, 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 where no. it was in, going. In Phoenix so, Wright stories, they have more believable names. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew where this was going because during his whole sex with Dukat thing, he can only think about Bashir. And that's when I was like, because I didn't know this was supposed to be a Garrick Bashir story. Like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, they're totally going to get together. Then Garrick dies, and I'm like, I guess not, you know? But then mm-hmm. when he's alive again, I'm like, everything's going to be the drive for them to get back together, right? So yeah. now all the audience is supposed to care about is the fact that he can get back to Bashir. He's realized yeah, this situation's his feelings. Done. Bashir knows his feelings now. Like, that's the main thing we're supposed to take away, I think. And at the end of this chapter... Two hours later, Garrick was on his way back to Deep Space Nine aboard a warship, anticipating his return. So, that that was easy. He's going back. <laughs> yep. Well done, everybody. <laughs> and you kind of think the story would end around there, but... Well, you need to resolve the relationship situation, right. and they do. They do. But, and that's the last fourth of the story, more or less, because, you know, in summary, Garrick gets sent back to Deep Space Nine... He's de facto confessed to Bashir through his last will hologram imprint. And so it's just up to Bashir to, like, once they're back together, kind of, like, raise that and be like, um, so how about that being lovers? And then, you know, Garrick's like, oh, you found that, did you? You know, all that kind of thing. And I've got to say... I guess it makes sense that the easiest way for Garrick, somebody who has great difficulty being forthright with people, the easiest way for him to confess to somebody would be for his death to be faked and for the, you know, last will that he left behind when he thought that this would only be told when he was dead and cold in the ground. Like, 
the most roundabout convoluted possible way of like you know confessing his attraction um that's what works for garrick i guess yeah and i got at this point he's absolved of any responsibility for having to actually be (laughs) honest about his feelings directly and so he's pretty comfortable with it really it almost seems like from the start it's bashir who might have had a i mean they both had a hard time I think Bashir had a hard time even recognizing he had feelings for Garrick, whereas Garrick was yeah. like, should I tell him? And at this point... Garrick definitely was way more, like, in touch with his feelings about this. And, yeah. you know, Bashir was more like, I didn't realize how much he meant to me, kind of thing. Yeah, and it's kind of at this point that, like, I was like, well, as soon as they tell each other they love each other, I think the story's over, right? Like, we've resolved everything. I didn't want... Yeah, except for the one and a half sex scenes. I was going to say, I didn't want another sex scene because we were just following almost directly on the heels of a sex scene and waited most of the story to build a sex scene between Garrick and Dupat, which was unexpected. And then I was like, I don't need another sex scene right away. (laughs) I felt like the pacing was off in that sense because, of course, there's going to be another sex scene. It's going to be between Garrick and Bashir. However... Mm -hmm. After going through this sex scene, I was like, if they do a good job of juxtaposing Garrick and Bashir having, like, healthy, consensual sex versus the, you know, non-consensual, messed up sex of Garrick and Ducat, showing character is ch- Garrick has changed as a character and that this relationship is healthy, then I'll accept it. And I think they got there, I think. <laughs> it's not as highlighted as it might have been. I mean, it's definitely supposed to be a contrast. And it is. But I, I know what you mean about the pacing, where, like, I kind of would have expected more build-up to the sex, and then kind of end the story on that, maybe. But it comes fairly quickly, and then there's, like, another chapter, and then an epilogue. I mean, there's kind of, like, it's like this chapter in this chapter 9, and one would, might expect their relationship to be hammered out and things to build up to a sex scene in the last chapter. But instead, there's sex in both of them. And so those those chapters were just kind of sex, sex, sex. And and yeah, it's odd pacing. Yeah. Um, I also don't have much to say about the sex, but it's, I mean, you know, it's Star Trek, so I just kind of have to like be like, oh, it's a good thing that all alien species are basically basically work the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I liked when I liked when Bashir did have like that moment of uncertainty where it's like, wait, like I know nothing about like the sexual mores or practices of Garrick's culture. Like, am I misreading something? Is there like something we're supposed to be doing? Or like does everything work the same way? He does have that moment of doubt, but basically it's like, oh no, everything's just the same. It's fine. Yeah. And I gotta say, you know, like I said, the sex scenes are very like written in like erotic fiction, written like porn. <laughs> but there's And there's a lot of terms that, you know, like, oh, God, there's so many porn terms in it. I wish I could remember what they were. Trousers. There's throbbing member or something like that. Things like um, that. But the only thing that really gave me pause, because I've read porn, was when they talked about how his dick was gray. (laughs) And then I was like, whoa. (laughs) Sort of broke my immersion. And I was like, of course it is, because his skin is, like, grayish. But I was like, ew. Ray Dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, th- there was one part in this whole kind of like, you know, sexy last part of the fanfic that did like make me just pause and like reread it and pause again and like really try to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But where is it? It's where Bashir, it's where, uh, Bashir's taking a shower. 
Um, it's not actually sex, it's just... Ah. Okay, right. So this is like, it doesn't matter, but, you know, Garrick snuck out to get some massage oil or whatever, and uh, Bashir's taking a shower. The hot water was a blessing to Julian's aching body. It cascaded gently unto his generous curves, massaging the tension away as it naturally flowed over him. Generous curves so, is a weird <laughs> I was term. Thinking of, I was thinking about his body, yeah. and I was like, he's kind of just skinny, right? I mean, am I missing something? What What are the generous curves on Bashir's body? That I mean, was generous another one a, that broke it for me, because he's not, like, super skinny, but he's just kind of, like, a no. bit... He's but big, where's the he's... generousness? <laughs> no, exactly. Who, who's being generous here? <laughs> like, it sounds like voluptuous, you know, like, and you don't right. think about his body type as that at all. You're absolutely right. No. And that, for me, totally stood out. I, the only thing I and think so was maybe I... that he's really muscly, like, maybe there's curves <laughs> to his muscles, because he's supposed to be, like, a super enhanced human, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I haven't seen him naked. <laughs> right. But, like, maybe his Whoa, dick is just that really is... bent. That is generous. <laughs> <laughs> right, it wasn't just his curves or his something curves. It's like generous curves makes you imagine a body that is going in and out in some right. ways. You're totally right. I, I, like, that one really threw me. I was like, what? Personally, I got thrown by all the... Uh, apparently, everyone, everybody had access to exquisite ministrations. Oh, yes. Ooh. Oh, my God. So funny. <laughs> well, th that's a good word. Ministrations is a good sex but scene exquisite word. Minist like ministrations it. that everybody has and they frequently do all the time. Yeah. No, that's... I don't know that's about That's so boring. <laughs> like, there's so many, like, you know, those words that you're just like, you wouldn't see those in anything except boring. <laughs> um, gosh, I was trying to find a good example of, like, how, like, uh, like how much, like, a... A romance novel this writing is or like an erotic novel mm -hmm. i mean any chunk of the Ex exquisite ministrations is probably one of the better yeah ones. <laughs> i mean any any chunk of the middle of the these scenes but i, I don't want to read any of these on on yeah. microphone <laughs> it's fine i think we've talked about it enough and i mean that no, yeah, it's, the, it's fine. like they're you know it's not like they're really written like erotic fiction and it, i don't think anything jumped out at me there were, except for, you know, those few things we discussed as, like, totally ridiculous. You know, I was like, if you're, if this is a, a porn-like sex scene, then it's, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it concludes with that idea. There's the epilogue, there's sex in the epilogue also. It's, it's quite a bit. But it's just like, oh, you know, that they, they are happy together and enjoying each other and being passionate and kind towards each other and finding pleasure in each other's precious existence. And, you know, it's a little bit more, I feel like, poignant for Garrick than for Bashir. Because in Garrick's case, it's like he's cut off from his society and everything that he, you know, worked towards in his life and cared about initially. And he's, you know, established as kind of like suffering a lot in this exile and really not, he, he does not want to be here. But he has found something here that he does love and that he does, you know, Get, gain something from the relationship with. And for Bashir, I feel like there's nothing near as poignant as that. It's just like he's a guy who's in love with this other guy, and that's cool. Yeah. 
we're not yeah. really in Bashir's head as no, much we're not. after it's, it's more about Garrick. his grieving process. So I do think like his grieving process is meant to demonstrate his love, I suppose. It's also weird to make him go through that, because like, that's another reason why it seems kind of porny, is like they went right into it after thinking someone is dead for like, what, mm-hmm. a couple weeks, a month or something? Totally. And they even acknowledge like how tired Bashir is, and I would assume Garrick is too, but... Like, that emotional whiplash would be devastating, you know? Yeah. I think it was just a matter of trying to fit another sex scene. Which is why, and the sex scene I think the author wanted most of all, because they were trying to ship this couple. But Mm -hmm. that's why I feel like pacing-wise, if they just ended on them like being like, you're back, and I love you, and I love you too, and we're going to be together, would have been a fine ending. I was expecting that ending, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I almost feel like Maybe the author felt like it would have been weird to put a sex scene in between Deepot and Garrick and not Garrick and Bashir. And not with the couple <laughs> the, that like, yeah. you're actually writing towards, yeah. Yeah, but I actually felt like that would have been a better, more concise story. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can, you don't have to have sex in to demonstrate love, you know, and the sex they showed so far was not loving. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Wavering Alliance. And I think we can start to wrap it up. What in the story do we want to complain about other than perhaps the unnecessary density of sex scenes in the last fourth of it? <laughs> that's fine, though. That's not really a thing. I mean, I, I can complain about it because it's a pacing thing. It's, it feels strange. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's what I already complained about. Is it was bad for the pacing. I, I, right, I think in the realm of uh, amateur fan fiction, it's not as big of a sin as in other things, but I, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well then, say other mean things about this fanfic, Dom. Uh, too, what else do we want to complain about? Uh, too many exquisite ministrations. <laughs> 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 well, I, basically what I talked about before was I don't understand the um, Star Trek plot they try to put in there. If you can't really pull off a Star Trek plot, then I would have been fine with just the character work between Bashir and Garrick, you know? I totally understand. I think specifically, it feels like they drop, they build up things that are that seem like they're going to be important, and then drop them abruptly for convenience mm-hmm. too many times, which is twice. Twice is too many but times. I, I st- like I still like the structure of the story and everything. I felt like this could have been something that um, anybody else involved in the process, like an editor or a proofreader, could have uh, helped improve. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I think it's minor. I think you know, same complaints that mainly, like, maybe the story just wraps up too quickly. They don't really finish off either plot in a perfectly satisfactory way. Um, Especially because they spent so much time on Julian grieving, which I thought was great. Those scenes of him grieving, really important, and his emotional build. But then at the end, it's like, uh, let's just wrap up the Star Trek plot, and then let's have another sex scene real fast here. Oh, Also, I I didn't really enjoy being in... um Garrick's self-deprecating head in the beginning. I I don't. That was a bit. What what was I feeling then? Um. It's like the the conversation was written well between Bashir and Garrick, but with the added like Garrick talking about what are you doing? That was stupid. Like every other phrase was. It's not fun being in a self-deprecating head. I think. 
Yeah, I get it. I think the role is that it's supposed to be showing that like Bashir is someone who is making him, you know, discard his hardened shell despite his better judgment. But you're right that it is a little bit distracting from the otherwise kind of interesting conversation in the prologue. Yeah, it kind of put a, for me, it put a tint on the conversation that made it not fun, kind of hard to read. Hmm. Anything else before we move on to praise? I think I've, I've covered my criticism. Okay. Well, then, to jump into praise, I thought for... I was really engaged with the story at about <laughs> the time when Garrick died. Like, for some time, because I guess it's just like I didn't know where it was going, and I was interested to find out. And even, like, once we get to the twist where, like, he's actually alive and stuff, I still had no idea where the story was going. And it turned out it was going into an uncomfortable kind of, like, BDSM-y sex scene between people who hate each other. But, like, I feel like the whole kind of arc of of things, and it, it's compelling reading for most of the... more than half of it, at least. Yeah, I totally thought the... Um a story of Bashir realizing their feelings while also dealing with loss was a very good mm -hmm. story. I, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. I just, yeah. I think like the, the scene in the hollow suite, like was really powerful. Yeah, that that, that was it. good. That's what kind of what I wanted the story to, to be about. And after watching a few episodes, I kind of really under, I really understand the urge to write Garrick and Garrick seems like, like a lot of fun to talk about or use as a character. And I think they, they, use them well enough uh, and i think they did that well in this fanfic yeah there's apparently a star trek novel that is you know the biography or autobiography of garrick that is considered to be one of the better like deep space nine novels huh. garrick's really one of those characters that's like complicated like he's sympathetic but you also know he's got you know this this past and you never really quite know where he stands because he's so reserved and yeah, I think the author did a great job of um, still keeping that interest in him, but softening him up enough to be put in a relationship. And other than that, you know, like, other than the things we talked about that we might change, I actually think this story is really good. Like, I was engaged the whole time, and the writing, like, there were no flaws in the writing that struck me other than a few odd phrasings during the the porn scenes, <laughs> I'm going to call them. <laughs> hmm. Other praise, then? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a great story. I, I would recommend it. Like, I had a lot of fun reading it, but it wasn't just fun. Like, it was, like, really cohesive. I would say specifically, if you like any of the characters involved, if you're a fan of Bashir or Garrick or maybe Dukat, um, specifically, then I think it's definitely worth your time. Yeah, I even think that even if you're not, because I wasn't necessarily a fan of any of the, you know, I don't like <laughs> Bashir, and Dukat's mm -hmm. not that likable. Garrick's intriguing, but, you know, he's got a dark past. I still found all the characters true to themselves and engaging in the story, so I think that's kind of a feat that the author did there. Yeah, I also think like the Bashar Garrick ship is very uh, robust. There's there's a lot there. Even just seeing like a few episodes, 
Like you wouldn't have to stretch that far to take that relationship to interesting places. Yeah, even just seeing the one episode for me, I was impressed yeah. with the quality of that ship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess next time we come to Star Trek, we should probably go back to next gen, right? And do something very next gen-y. Have we done Voyager? We have not done Voyager. Yeah. Try Voyager. All right. Voyager sounds good. I mean, these ASC awards, which seem to be a fruitful source, <laughs> uh, even just these earliest ones, Voyager was going on in 95, 96. I mean, I guess it was because there was fan fiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really just don't understand my Star Trek timeline <laughs> um, of shows. So there was Next Gen, and then there was DS9, and there was Voyager. I, I understand the order. So, I, I don't think I just like. I don't think it was then. Uh, Voyager and DS DS9 were parallel for a while. Yeah, they. I was going to say they had yeah. overlaps. So I'm trying to remember. I think okay. DS9 started in '92, which means Voyager started in like '93 or '94. I don't know. Well, what I was getting at is that I do not have to go far to find Voyager fanfic recommendations. <laughs> And so I think we can make that happen. Um, but next week, we're not doing Star Trek. I am very happy to report that I found a Scooby-Doo fanfic that I'm excited for us to read. <laughs> wow. It's from 2006. So, you know, just hitting our cutoff by someone named York Jones on fanfiction.net. And the title is unfortunately Scooby-Dooby-Doo, Where Are You? Which is the worst title. Isn't that the name of the show? I don't think there's a show called Scooby Dooby Doo. Uh, where are you? It's Scooby but that Doo, is very much. Right? Yeah, Scooby Doo. Where are you? Was one of the shows. Um, I feel like that's one of the worst titles at a glance that we have had. It's the story was not great. Least creative. <laughs> right. You can find a link to the fanfic at bit.ly/rfrscooby which is S-C-O-O-B-Y, if you're somehow unfamiliar with Scooby-Doo. I, I mean, it's probably one of those things where, like, as an American, I'm like, yeah, everybody knows Scooby-Doo. But, like, anybody else, what's, like, the cultural spread of Scooby-Doo? Do they know it in the UK? Do they know it in, like, you know, China? I don't know. Hey, well, this, is a, this is a pretty new fanfic, right? Because that movie just came out a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it is well timed for the new Scooby Doo movie, which apparently everybody hates. Wait, there's a new Scooby Doo movie? Yes. Wasn't there already like a new Scooby Doo movie? Like 10? No, I think you're thinking of the old Scooby Doo movie. There was like a, a, a real life one that happened within the last decade or so. Yeah, that, that's the old mm. new Scooby Doo. Oh, okay, whatever. This is the new now. I don't think that's even within the decade anymore, Tori. We're old. <laughs> don't talk to me anymore Amato. uh anyway we will talk about that next time as for this this was episode 86 of retro fanfic retrospective wavering alliance by b i don't have that written here bgm bgm <laughs> yeah wavering alliance by bgm you can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfr alliance the intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. You can also find us on Reddit at fanficretrospective or Twitter or Facebook at retrofanfic. 
or Instagram at RetroFanficRetrospective, where you will get to see whatever Tori decided was best to draw from this episode as a piece of fan art. <laughs> I'm very curious in advance. I'm just going to say I'm shocked you picked to draw a gray penis for this one, but you know, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I want Tori to draw Bashir's generous curves. <laughs> I don't know if you want that, Amani. <laughs> if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us at any of those places or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. You can also leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever other podcast service you're using to listen to this podcast that you are listening to. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. The end. <laughs> <laughs> the things you say at the end of a podcast. <laughs> podcast stop. Computer end podcast. Computer Dom, because it's not an awful lot like you trying to sound like a computer. <laughs> uh, That's because Dom recorded themselves trying to sound like a computer as the sound of the computer makes. Model, I, I love how you were already where, where I was. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all been hanging out too much. <laughs>